Well, it's 2019 and we created a podcast. Yes, we did. For our brand new audience that is wondering what this show is about, we both grew up in the 80s, came of age in the 90s, started careers in the 2000s, and then came the 2010s. That's when things started making less and less sense. Exactly. Grandmothers started using the internet, cars started driving and crashing themselves, and unironic Nazis started protesting in the streets. Yes, they did. But that's not what this podcast is about. As much fun as it would be to talk about the absolute idiocy that American politics has become, there are at least two dozen people already discussing politics on the internet, and probably doing a better job of it than we ever could. Uh, not really. Uh, this podcast is about two innocent millennials caught in the ugly maelstrom of American culture, struggling to understand what is happening in their increasingly divided world. We'll talk about all the ways in which our culture has changed, and more importantly, why it's changing. Also, there will be plenty of pop culture references. Yes, there will. And even though we have little faith in our fellow humans to do the right thing, at least we can encourage each other to hope for the decade to come. Hope? Hope is jump the shark. Mm, not entirely. Really? They elected Biff Tannen president of the entire country. <sighs> we really are in the darkest timeline. Yes. Anyway, enjoy this inaugural episode about superhero movies getting super violent for some reason. Today, on The Misanthropic Life. Today's topic, we wanted to talk about, well, I'm calling it the adultification of superheroes. It seems like superheroes and maybe sci-fi fantasy genre as well has been pushed very adult. Everything that used to be for kids now has themes that are far more adult and far more serious. I guess let me start with a story. So I first noticed this personally while I was watching The Dark Knight, the Christopher Nolan film. I guess it was put out about a decade ago now, right? I believe so. That film um, struck me, well, first of all, everybody in my circle was very excited to go see it. They all lean a little bit uh, nerdier than most, but you know, even by this time, superhero movies had become fairly popular in just in general. I remember getting ready to go to see it and, and going with a bunch of my friends and getting to this theater and being very excited to see the film. There was a lot of buzz around it. Heath Ledger being the Joker, and right. until I think then, he'd already he'd already passed away at that point. I believe so. And before then, we've had several Jokers then, and it the buzz was he was playing a different Joker that we've never seen before. Yeah, I wasn't a giant Batman fan, but you know, it's something that I've consumed uh, since I was a child. So I was definitely uh, into it. I was fairly blown away by what I saw. The performances were amazing and everything about it seemed very real and very intense. I've never sat through that movie since then. And the reason I haven't is because it wasn't the violence, but it was the psychological themes that were being played with. It was very heavy. There was a distinct departure from Michael Keaton's Batman and it was completely different. It affected me quite deeply at the time, and like I said, I've never sat through it again. I don't think it's something that you need to see over and over again. He's so dark and so completely insane. It was certainly very depressing. Yes. Certainly very depressing. Throughout the whole theme. Yeah. Anyway, 
fast forward a few years and you know i'm sitting through i'd enjoyed the, the marvel franchises for what they were they were you know popcorn flicks very entertaining we get to captain america 2 and i went into that you know not really super excited about it but i i really liked avengers so i was like okay well this is probably going to be pretty good most of the same characters and stuff but i immediately noticed that something was different and that something was that a lot of people were getting shot and they were getting shot and killed by our heroes early in that film there's a sequence with samuel l jackson's character where he pulls out a minigun and just starts indiscriminately blasting these villains right bad guys it seemed very intense at the time and not something that i was expecting to see in a superhero film that the heroes were going to pull out you know large bore weapons and start mowing people down with them what was the difference between captain america one were they not doing this in captain america one was it more of an introduction of the captain he was a captain because he was in world war ii he was in the military but very prominently, Captain America has a shield, right? Correct. And as they played it in the film, he was more of a like promotional hero or something for the, the film. He wasn't really a frontline fighter. When they did take him to the front lines and he fought, he ran around, you know, taking out the bad guys. But he did so with his fists and he did so with his shield and he defended others, right? It was a different feel entirely. Right? He was still taking down the bad guys, but it's not just Samuel L. Jackson who's blasting people with guns. In Captain In America, Captain America 2. 2, there are a number of your heroes who are seen firing pistols, firing M16 AR-style rifles. Is it the same directors, the Russo brothers, and Captain America 1 and 2? I'm tending to think not, but it could be. I, I don't know. But the tone of Captain America 2 brings in a much darker, much more real, to be honest, because that's the way things really happen in, in our world, right? If people are robbing a bank, the, the cops show up and they pull out guns, right? There are no real superheroes in our world. But to me, a superhero is someone who doesn't need to threaten another person's life to defeat them. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, I'm, I'm listening. So, you know, your Supermans and your, your Batmans, they didn't kill people. They didn't kill the criminals that they were after. They brought them to justice, right? I just want to make mention that Captain America 1 was directed by a different director than Captain America 2. Captain America 1 was, and it's not 1, it's just called Captain America, <laughs> um, it was directed by Joe Johnston, and he had done, directed uh, October Sky, The Rocketeer. Oh, wonderful. Okay. And Jurassic Park 3. Oh, really? <laughs> I just wanted to bring out, you know, bring up the fact that we are now looking at a different right. director right. from... Captain America yeah. to Captain America 2, so you have the Russo brothers who are directing it and probably, I, I believe they wrote as well. Correct? Yeah, they're writer-director pair. They're yeah. writer-directors, mm -hmm. so we also have that influencing it and as well as probably new DPs. Definitely. So not only is the story different, yeah. the direction is different, but what you're seeing is different because it's now through two brothers. Yeah. Vision. 
Captain America 2 has some of the best fight choreography I've ever seen and the best filming of fight scenes I've ever seen. So the film was expertly produced. I'm not going to sit here and say that it wasn't. But the problem I have, and the whole reason for this discussion in the first place, is that it seems to me like, like I said, superheroes, uh, a superhero is somebody who doesn't need to threaten your life in order to defeat you, okay? And it's that idea, right, that justice can prevail. We can defeat the villains without killing, right? That, to me, is what a superhero is. I'm fully willing to admit that that may be a completely wrong-headed view of superheroes, but it's my perspective from the things that I've seen growing up, right? I, I, I watched, I didn't have a lot of comic books. I had mostly whatever was put on TV. My consumption of superhero culture has been through television and movies, not, you know, comic books themselves. So I don't know what the comic books are like, and I could be, you know, completely off base in saying this. But the understanding that I had and the perspective I had growing up was that your superheroes didn't need to take that step, right? Most of them, anyway. The good superheroes, the ones that we look up to as actually being heroes, right? They didn't need to take that step. They didn't need to take a a life? They didn't need to take a life. That was what differentiated them? They didn't need to take lives in order to defend truth, justice, and the American way, right? All of that has seemed to really been thrown out the window in the last few years, and it led me to ask a question, why? Why have we done this? Well, what do you think before I go on and, and spout some more stuff that maybe doesn't make sense? I think what happened is a life outside of the art world started bleeding into the fantasy world that we created. Remember that most Marvel and DC comic books were written as a result of what was happening politically. Is that is that true? I, I, I honestly don't know. For for Marvel, I believe it is. And I and I don't know about DC. I think okay. for DC it may be the same as well. It was a response to all that was happening politically in the United States and as well as what was happening with politically outside that also in, affected the American government. So I think part of what you're seeing was because of what was happening real time politically. We had started to respond differently. Mm -hmm. And so it then bled into how we told our stories now regarding heroes. We didn't want to look weak anymore. We didn't want to look so Pollyannic, if you will. You're saying the current... um... The reason why I believe that Dark Knight and Captain America 2 had to change, which I just want to point out, outside from um, Captain America 2 was not, the screenplay was not by the Russo brothers. It was by someone else. Oh, okay. It was by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Okay, so they didn't write it. No. They did not. They did not. But the directing was definitely the Russo brothers. Well, thanks for keeping us um, honest there because... Yes. (laughs) Yes. The Dark Knight, you know, we we had entered a a different 
phase in the not just affecting the U.S., but now internationally. You know, we had the 9-11, but then we had this ongoing war that never stopped from then. And so the tone, everything had changed and it affected the arts. So you're taking the perspective that politics and what was happening, what's happening in the world, world events was what was pushing into the arts. Correct. It it definitely was and still is. And how we react, everything is now politicized. Everything sure has sure. become political. Well, I mean, one could say maybe that it, it always was, but I think every time something doesn't make sense to me, I always have to wonder if maybe I just wasn't paying attention truthfully, and this is the way it always was. But I, I think um, I think definitely in this case, you know, there was a di- there was a distinct departure, right? I'm not just imagining that. No, there was a distinct departure. Okay. That's why Heath Ledger was brought in. Okay, he was specifically chosen to create a new joker for a new era interesting i'm not going to disagree with what you're saying that that politics definitely had an effect Uh, from the opposite end i think the other thing that had an effect was a lot of young people who grew up with these stories became adults and wanted them wanted their stories to grow up with them too yes that's a lot of the why we see um, this departure, this change, this adultification, if you will, yes. of genre films, and and I, I don't think it, it I don't think it necessarily stops with superheroes. I think you could look at Star Wars. You could look at fantasy films, like The Hobbit is a is a good example of that actually, um, because that story was written for children. It's a very simple narrative, and it's very much directed at younger children. You can tell. Yes, but the book is even more detailed and more dark. It's not, it's, it's... No, it, not at all. The book actually. is not detailed. No, okay, so I, I, I specifically picked on The Hobbit, not The Lord of the Rings. Excuse because, me, I, I, I get those. Those are definitely <laughs> two different books. Yeah, no, The Lord of the Rings was written after The Hobbit. He wrote The Hobbit when his children were preteen, and he wrote the Lord of the Rings series after they became teenagers. Thank you. Okay. So um, th- that that's a perfect example of a story growing up, right? Okay. The Hobbit is very, very childlike, very simplistic, a very fun and adventurous time. And the Lord of the Rings, by contrast, is quite a bit darker. There's some serious, you know, world events that they bring in and a lot of history. And it just, it lends this very ominous feel to the narrative so the book versus the movie right exactly yeah the movies that peter jackson directed of the hobbit are quite a bit more intense than the actual book they're quite a bit darker than they should be in tone from the from the the book itself and also quite a bit longer but the point is it's not just superhero films that are going through this i think all these genres are 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 being ratcheted up to appeal to adults who grew up with them. You know, all the kids that grew up with Star Wars are now our age, or maybe even a little older. I, the the Star Wars group of people are 48, yeah, yeah, yeah. 50 years old. <laughs> totally. So yeah, that's way out our range. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, so totally, they're way into adulthood. and They're grandparents now. Yeah, totally. They are grandparents. <laughs> okay, right. so let's make that clear. Yeah, we are not right. grandparents. We're not parents. <laughs> you're correct. You're correct. The The Star Wars generation was the generation before us, definitely. But they, they grew up and wanted more adult stories to tell. I think that's natural in some sense. 
um, if you really like something, you want to enjoy it when you get older and have more, you know, defined tastes. And, you know, you want a smarter narrative as an adult than you do as a child. But the question becomes, what does this mean for our society? If our fantasies are going to, are, are out here borrowing from our reality, which has become increasingly intense. And the lines are definitely getting blurred and we're seeing it in the news. There's a lot of online harassment from fans uh, in Star Wars films uh, in the news recently. These people didn't like the movie, and so they're taking it out on the people that made it. Actors who had very little control over the story, they were just paid to play a part in a film. That's made for children. Star Wars was, a, was originally made for children, right? The, you know, George Lucas, when he first created it, he had in mind a, an entire line of toys that he was going to make, and that's how, actually how he made most of his money was from the merchandising, not the films. Correct. So the reality is, is that all of these films and stories are for children. They they were created for children. Your Transformers franchise, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a cartoon that was made to sell children plastic toys. It, it's a cartoon that was made to sell children's plastic toys that had a moral to it because they were there. Oh, were, oh, did it? I never watched it. There were child psychologists involved, and at the end, they would give a moral to it. There was always a moral to it, just like your He Man and. Um, all of those had someone who gave a moral to it. And and that's why um, even G.I. Joe, you know, the, the saying and knowing is half the battle. It was literally the slogan that was the statement that was made after the moral was stated right. by a character, a prominent character in that particular era, episode. It would end and knowing is half the battle. And so and then it would end G.I. Joe. So, yes, they were made for, for kids. But as you just stated, these kids are now adults who have kids. Right. Like you said, ad these adults have kids. They want to share these, these the stories that they loved, right? That's natural. They want to share the stories that they loved with their kids and they want to re-experience that, you know, that feeling again of of those of of seeing those characters that they love on screen and and on TV. But I think Transformers is actually an interesting one to pick on because that fit franchise, that film franchise that's now, what, five, six films long? Probably. Okay. Shockingly, that's the franchise that is, it was probably the least adapted for adults, actually. It's still very silly, um, more of a fun frolic than, than anything. Uh, from the films, I haven't seen them all, but I've seen a few of them. And there, there, are, there are some intense um, themes in there, but it's not going back to your superhero. Yeah, it's, not the, it's not the Dark Knight, right? It's going back to your superhero movies, it's not Captain America two. Right, exactly. It's not that. So, so yeah, Transformers not not really that changed, not as changed as the other ones. Probably why I don't like it as much as the other franchises that they've really tried to adapt for adults. They've kept it more more simplistic, more childlike, you know? But isn't the, your concern is the adultification? Yeah, well, see, okay, yes, exactly. So my concern is not necessarily the violence and the sexual themes that have been brought into our superhero films. The problem is not the violence per se. The problem is the level to which they're willing to go and the themes the themes that they're presenting, right? Like The Dark Knight has themes that really challenge our, our definition of societally acceptable behavior, of sane behavior, right? Let's not talk societally acceptable. Let's talk sane. 
that character of the Joker's is completely psychotic and, you know, really brought an intensity to that character that no one would really ever had. I think for me, the issue with the Dark Knight is people started rooting for the bad guy. Right, right, exactly. That was very clear. Well, Batman's barely in that film. I mean, let's be honest. And the fact is that even in that film, he refuses to kill anybody. Yes. Ten years later, we've got, you know, Batman v Superman where he's trying to kill Superman. He's killing bad guys left and right. Yes, he is. So many low-level bad guys in that film that just get completely murked. Yeah, this is true. Um, But going back to Dark Knight, the turning point was people rooting for the bad guy. Mm. And that, for me, was and continues to be problematic because he was mentally... The mental illness (laughs) was so strong and so real. Yeah. You got to think about this. People went to see this movie with their kids. Yeah. Now we're talking about kids seeing their parents happy when, or or reacting positively. We're talking about physical cues here. (laughs) When the bad guy who's psychotic is killing people, literally slicing happy faces on people's face. Yeah. I know. And that insane. And your kid is there getting this. Oh, it's okay to root to be happy about right, that. Right, right. And so we could talk about in culture, which we will later on when it comes to families. And culture is the culture that is created in the home right. that children learn. Because every family has a culture. Sure. And within the culture, that's how everybody knows what role they play. Mom, dad has a role they play. Children have a role they play. And siblings have a role they play. And everybody knows where they fit. So now you, the parent, are the one giving the moral cues what's right and what's wrong. Right, right. And your kid is seeing you're happy when the bad guy... Wins. Wins. Right. You're happy when the bad guy slices a happy face on someone's face. You're happy when the bad guy blows up things. You're sad when the person who's supposed to be the hero survives at the end. Right, right, right. This is a problem because now you leave the theater yes, and now your child is completely like, they're not saying anything, but now they know it's okay to, to do bad things. There's a range of how bad you could get, you could be and a range of badness that's acceptable. Right, exactly. That's approved. Right. And so... It'd be very confusing for a young child to have to listen to that. It is. And then have their parents tell them, don't do that behavior. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not the violence, right? Specifically the violence that that I'm having an issue with, but that the themes are so adult and that the tone has become so real that it's no longer a fantasy, right? Like the point of fantasy is to be fantastic, is to give you um, something different, an escape, something that's not real, that can then say something about reality that we can relate to, right? We all know as adults that uh, if you want to take it to the other side of the world, like there's wars and really terrible things that happen all the time to people. But what we want in our fantasy world was a place where we could escape from that and where 
the bad guys, right, the villains, they could be beaten without us becoming them. That's the change that I see. Our, our heroes have become the villains in order to defeat them, right? And that gets into that whole anti-hero thing, and, you know, I'm not trying to get into that right now, but the problem is that's what we're dealing with in reality. Why would we want to see that in our fantasies as well? I guess maybe that's just me. I don't know. So what would you say would be... It's it's not a problem to solve. How do we view these superhero movies? Like you said, it, it's not a problem to solve other than not going to see films that we don't like or that don't conform to, you know, the world, the kind of films that we want to be presented to us, right? But I think... I, I think it's what what I think is it speaks to the broader culture, right? How we've become far more hardened, right, to the level of violence that we're willing to accept and that we're willing to allow into even our popcorn flicks. The intensity of violence is a little scary to me, to be honest. And it's so crazy because, you know, I grew up in a household with a mother who was very concerned about the amount of violence that I consumed. I never thought anything about it when I was a child. I didn't feel like it was affecting me at all. Obviously that's wrong, like it was affecting me. Um, you can't help but be affected by what you consume, like that's kind of the point. But I don't know that I was learning necessarily from the violence so much as I was learning the lessons that, as you pointed out, these children's cartoons were, were feeding in as well, right? Correct behavior was being modeled, right? Correct. And the consequences of bad actions were being shown. And so these superheroes were giving you an, an understanding of morals, of consequences of what justice really is and communicating other values that you know we as a society considered important to teach to our children. All of that's kind of been thrown out the window. Um, I don't see a lot of morals being communicated by these films anymore. They've kind of decided that all of that is too preachy and they don't want to do any of it. They instead are giving you what they believe are smarter narratives, which they are. They're more intelligent narratives. But I think something real, very real has been lost. The point of these stories, the point of any story, is to communicate something real, something about reality, some knowledge about reality, in a way that the audience for the story will accept. That's the reason we tell stories. That's the reason we've told, told stories for millennia as human beings, right? The point is to communicate our values to the next generation in a way that they will accept, in a way that's enjoyable for them and interesting for them. It's why we tell stories. For me, it's you have people who do live in a constant state of violence. So that is the reality. True. Very true. So for me, I think the bigger issue here, going back to the... The to bigger the, issue is is me and my sheltered upbringing. No, <laughs> no, that's that's not it. Some people may say that, but no, that's not it. The bigger issue here is the message that's being conveyed to children because right, every right. year, for some reason, parents feel the need to bring a, a four-year-old, yeah. a five-year-old to see these violent, right, right. these violent superhero movies. And they are violent. Yeah, they've always been violent. They are violent. 
um, what they are teaching the children, the babies, is that to be an adult is to, to be, be violent. violent. Yeah. And you solve problems with violence. Right. That is not the message you want to teach the next generation, that in order to solve problems, you must solve it with violence. Right. And, well, and there's really no other way because, I mean... If, that those are the only options that the movies are giving you. Well, yeah. That, and, that's, and that's the problem that I have. Right there. You've hit it. The problem is, is that there's no other option is really ever even contemplated. No. There's only, there's only two. Not even. Right. Not even. They kill, they kill us or we kill them. Like, exactly. That's what it boils down it, to. It, 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 it boils down to violence is the solution and violence will give us peace, which, again, children don't have the nuance. Babies don't have that nuance. They don't understand that because right. they are understanding, am I bad or am I good? That's all they understand. Everything else is a reaction to it. Well, and really, there's no difference between the bad and the good people other than... We're saying that they are by the there, color. There's no difference in their behavior. There's no difference in behavior. Right. There's no difference in behavior between the bad and the good people. No. No. It's just, you know, the circumstances or whatever whatever framework is put around story-wise, plot-wise, yes. is put around them. Yes. But their behavior is the same. Yes. And so that is my um, bigger concern with the adultification of superheroes is that we have children and babies who are watching these movies. And again, they have no understanding or concept of good, bad. They're getting their cues from their parents, from the right. adults, from right. leaders around them. They're confused. They're confused when you tell them, oh, they've done something bad because they've seen you in a space praising the bad behavior, the violence. And so now you're telling them when they have a tantrum, they're being bad and then they des deserve. So so this, this is a problem. Parenting is a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to come back to this topic and revisit it sometime because it's a very interesting and very, very deep subject that really goes to the heart of what's happening in our society right now, what's going on in, in our culture. You know, we're seeing a lot of changes and not all of them are good. I'm hoping that by talking about what's going on, we can, you know, maybe reshape the future and, and make sure that our kids have something good and, and fun to look forward to. Or at least have the conversation started about what are we bringing our kids to watch right. with us? This podcast is a new venture for us, and we appreciate your feedback. Unless your feedback is about how our opinions are wrong. Keep that feedback to yourself. All right. Take two. We welcome feedback on the show itself, and also any topics you'd like us to discuss. Please check out our website at themisanthropiclife.com for show notes and schedule. You can also contact us on the website or by emailing info at themisanthropiclife.com. We're just getting started, so social media accounts are still a work in progress. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening.